0: Welcome to See It and Feel It with Dr. Brett, and I'm Dr. Brett, and today I'm here with Alex Bladick, a nutritional consultant and a super interesting person who's in North Carolina at the moment, right, or for good now. Is that the deal?
1: Yeah, I mean, for the foreseeable future.
0: Um, You're originally from the Midwest, correct?
1: Yeah, from Michigan, and I lived in Chicago and then now in Charlotte.
0: Awesome. Very cool. You know, one of my biases I often say is that people are a little bit nicer in the Midwest. Is that true? I would
1: say so. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Lots of holding doors open and
0: (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. So tell us about your background a little bit. You know, I know you've got um, a master's degree in counseling uh, with some sports psychology emphasis and now you're a nutritional consultant. Mm -hmm. Uh, But tell us about the, you know, the, the, the background in psychology as well
1: sure um so when i was in um my undergrad program i had wanted to go into speech therapy and um after you know going into the field a little bit more shadowing people i just realized like that was not my path and um i wanted more actionable um like instant gratification for lack of a better word like i wanted to be able to Mm -hmm. like give people um, tools and resources and that they could walk away from mm. um, our sessions together. So I, I shifted into sports psych and I got my master's in counseling and I specialized in sport and health psychology. Um, mm. However, my passion had always kind of led me more towards the health side. Um, right. So the sports psych was something that I I really loved the the tangible takeaways from that. Um, but when I moved to Charlotte, I started my own uh, nutrition coaching company, um, which I took my sports psych background and, um, you know, working with athletes on mental skills training through my internships and whatnot in grad school, and then um, transitioned that into how people act and behave around food.
0: Yeah, you know, there's a ton of psychology, right, in any kind of coaching, but in nutritional consulting and coaching, I would imagine you're, you know, doing a lot of work around behavior change, right, Mm -hmm. around the psychology of it. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about that.
1: Yeah, so it's, um, you know, a lot of people, when they come to want to work with us, they are, they want weight loss. That's their, and they want a plan of, like tell me what to eat and I'll follow the rules and I'll do the plan. And I'm like, well, that's what you, I mean, you'll get that a little bit, but what I find the more that we talk to people is that it has more to do with their beliefs around food and what's healthy mm. and unhealthy and Um, the habits that they have around their workouts and Mm -hmm. um, their food choices. And then, you know, you have your family involved and it's so, and you know, food is social and there's so many more pieces to the puzzle than just tell me what to eat and I'll follow the plan. Like
0: a hundred percent. But let me, let me ask you this. How many people actually follow the plan when you tell them what the plan is, even if Mm -hmm. you didn't do the other part of it?
1: Mm So. I would probably say like 60% of our clients have success. And I say that because we are really, really big on adapting the plan to the situation that just because in this scenario, in this part of your life, things worked out and it was great. And those goals that we had set together are we're working, but then life happens, like the kids get sick or someone has a birthday right. or it's a weekend. Like there's, there needs to be different scenarios and, or different plans for different scenarios in your life that can prove to you that you can have some sort of um, action or something that you can do in those moments where you feel like you, you're not doing the plan right.
0: yeah that makes a ton of sense yeah I would would imagine though that um given the fact that you look thin and fit that some people go you know well wait this looks easier for you this is a lot harder for me how do you answer that one
1: Mm -hmm. uh because I was there I I was in their shoes like that was not this didn't come easily to me um yeah so I was You know, after college, I didn't even dare step on a scale because I was in denial about how much weight I had gained. And, um, after that I went down the, uh, yo-yo diet rabbit hole of, you know, trying anything and ridiculous things to try to lose weight, but none of it addressed my relationship with food. Um, until I got to grad school, actually, was when I was like, "Oh my
0: god!" <laughs> <laughs> and what are your some of those common beliefs that people have regarding you know food and and body shapes and sizes and all this mm-hmm. stuff related to your business?
1: Mm-hmm. What are some
0: of the common themes that you see?
1: Um, so a lot of people have rules around specific food or like. You know, carbs are bad and sugar is bad and Mm. um, that I shouldn't eat after a certain time or um, that, you know, they you've tried different diets and that a lot of people think that the diet worked and they lost, you know, because you can lose 10, 20 pounds following a diet. But what they don't connect the dots on is that the diet didn't work. If you gain the weight back within six months, like that doesn't, that didn't teach you the habits that it needed. And, um, but then a lot of like the body image stuff that we see is, um, you know, a lot of people want to be at their end destination very quickly. Um, they, They want, they don't want to take a longer route. Um, but, we tried to help people to learn, to love where they are. Um, And that's, that's tough. I think that's probably the hardest part of, of our coaching. Actually,
0: You know, that sounds a lot, very similar to psychology and sports psychology, right? In terms of like, it's a process, it's a journey. Mm -hmm. And there are a fair amount of people, especially people that struggle with addictions. They, you know, they're, one of their addictions is they want instant results or, or they want shortcuts, right? Mm -hmm. So I would imagine you're doing, a lot of work around that kind of psychology as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And and it's, you know, proving to themselves that, well, and I, sorry, backing up, I think a lot of people come to us with frustration and that they're like kind of at their wits end for dieting, that they're finally reaching out to a coach to, <laughs> to help them. Because you know, usually people are like, "Oh my God, I've tried everything. I've tried all the diets. I've tried everything. You name it, I've tried it." And um, that's when they finally reach out. Is when they they feel like they don't have an alternative, which is ironic because coaching only can help you accelerate your progress. But um,
0: well, we're in agreement there. Yeah, that's my job as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have coaches too. Like I, you yeah. know, I have two coaches and a mentor and um, yeah. I just think it's, it's so valuable for anybody looking to get where you see someone who has been where you are and now has gone through that process themselves and can help you get there
0: too. Yeah, that's well said. And you know, what I'm thinking as I listen to you, I'm also thinking about some of the common beliefs in just psychology in general, around not feeling good enough, not deserving, not feeling lovable. So when you go underneath mm-hmm. most people, whether they're an athlete or, or, or whomever, right? Mm-hmm. They're struggling with, do I deserve? Am I good enough? Mm-hmm. Am I on some core level lovable? And then of course in the nutrition or health field, right? If they have beliefs that are screwy like that, mm-hmm. it's gonna be hard to sustain the weight loss, right? To make the choices over time. Mm -hmm. Uh, does that I I would imagine that's a big part of what you're dealing with as well
1: yeah Um, yeah I think we talk a lot about people's past uh, their relationship like what they saw their parents doing with food and dieting and their past experiences with dieting for themselves um, and just kind of how that shows up in their life now and then I focus a lot on them taking the power now that you have you have the power to change your story for your future so we're talking about your past self but then we're also talking about like who is that person that you envision for your future and then what does that person do and who are they what what do what qualities do they have and like get them to start describing that and then um, that's kind of where we bridge that gap then of like who they have been in their past and who they want to be. And then that's kind of where like the, am I lovable? Am I good enough? Because what does that person in your future have or do or say, or think about themselves that your past self isn't doing?
0: Yeah, no, that's very clever. I like it a lot. Um, The future self that's the, you know, the successful you know, healthy, fit, like whoever they want to be, right? So it's like you're creating that vision for the person and helping them in the journey to live into that vision. Mm -hmm. Really cool, really great stuff. Um, How do you deal with like when it gets a little bit deeper, you know, in psychology, it's a word I haven't used in a long time, but I just thought of it talking to you, the transference issues, because as a coach, I would imagine at times people are starting to project some of their stuff onto you and then <laughs> the relationship gets tricky you know i'm trained i'm armed to the teeth i got giant fangs around you know that right dealing with when people get screwy with me 99.9 percent of the time that's how they're doing it in their primary relationships mm-hmm. right so i can feel the way they're approaching me is part of how they're doing their intimacy journeys or not doing them yeah um so i'm trained like you wouldn't believe to handle that but in the coaching business, you're not necessarily trained for those deeper mm. transference issues. So, tell me about that. I'm just curious.
1: Yeah. Um, I So, I truly, I haven't noticed it a ton with my clients. And it might just be the boundaries that I set with people, that there's just certain things that I do refer out for if it's necessary. But I really haven't had that happen often. Um, but... Yeah, that's that's a tough
0: one. I I mean... Well, just people enact their little control dramas and I would imagine you've got to have some exposure to that, right? Yeah. It's like the way they relate to food, they're also doing a little bit of that with you, right? It's like yeah. they have right, control issues around food, then they're having control issues around the coaching process with you and then you're trying to sort of help them become more aware of all of it, I would mm-hmm. imagine, right?
1: yeah and I mean there's specifically that brings up a woman right now who um she missed one of our coaching calls this week, and then I reached yeah. out to her afterwards and um you know then she finally responded hours later and it was this big message of why she couldn't do it and and I just started i did point out what I see going on like with her food, and I said I think that this is starting to kind of affect like you're shifting back into your past beliefs about what we had talked about. Um, So, I mean, I, I do, I pointed out, I guess is how I would approach it is that I just notice when the relationship is starting to change because a lot of times people come in like super excited and they want to show show up for their coach and they want to do a good job um, and they want to make us proud. But then when those doubts and um, fears, fears start to creep in yeah. that they start to revert back to not thinking that this is going to work. And then, you know, of course, self-sabotage starts to come in.
0: Yeah. That's where I was going to go next. <laughs> I read my mind. I'm like, you've got to be dealing with self-sabotage yeah. at least yeah. on and off all day, you know, pretty much every day. Yeah. Right. How do you handle like that conversation around self-sabotage? Tell us how you take, take a nutritional client through, The fundamentals, I teach the fundamentals of the mental game, you know, meditation, mindfulness, visualization, breath work, positive Mm self-talk, and so on. Mm -hmm. How do you take people through the fundamentals of self-sabotage as it relates to nutrition and health and well-being?
1: Well, so first they need to be aware that they're doing it (laughs) because a lot of times I think people have never looked at their food, their relationship with food as something um that can change or that can be like that they can get educated on and and cuz food we're fortunate to live in a world that it it's it can get put on the back burner and it's just like we know that we're going to eat and that you know you can forget to eat or you just you know swing through a drive through you can grab whatever's easy um so i think a lot of times like the self sabotaging comes up when people think that it's too hard or, you know, they start to have these beliefs about like, this isn't going to work again. I'm going to fail at this. Like it's, you know, it's too much. Um, and so I guess that's where I just start the conversation about what, obviously what we had been doing is not working. So Mm -hmm. what is, you know, I, I try to turn things back to them to get them talking more. Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of people tell me that my style of coaching is, Um, like, I don't, I don't lay it out for you in bullet points, follow this step, do this. Like I, I continuously ask questions and pull out from people, um, well, why do you think that's happening? Or what about this feels hard right now? Um, and then we, we readjust and try something different as well. Yeah,
0: no, it sounds pretty cool. It sounds like you're blending the psychology and the counseling and the nutritional consulting Right, it's all sort of part of the same mix to help people, you know, let go of those limiting beliefs and self-sabotages and things that are in the way of them developing healthier habits around um, food, in particular. Uh-huh. Is that accurate? Yes. <laughs> very, very cool. What are you curious about? What do you want to ask me while you got me on this end of this yeah. experience?
1: Um, I guess when you're working with athletes well do you work primarily with athletes i'm
0: sorry i do i work primarily with athletes and entrepreneurs that's where i'm okay. my my perspective is that you know the fun part about athletes and business people is they have a higher in general they have a higher drive towards excellence mm-hmm. and so that commitment to excellence is a lot of fun for me mm-hmm. so my i i say we because i'm an identical twin and we you know we were really good athletes growing up and um the drive is just there. And so when you're working with people with a higher drive, it can be super intense. As you know, um, it can get complicated, but it's a lot more fun. If, um, you know, I have an intense side, I have a playful side, but I also have an intense side. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mostly athletes and mostly business people.
1: Yeah. Um, so what are some of the things that you see come up for them as far as like Their own self sabotage as for a business owner. Since I'm a business owner, I would like to
0: hear. Well, you know, it's like the metaphor is like, you know, I used to play this um, golf course uh, in Westport, Connecticut, where I lived for 17 years, and it was a par 69 course. And, you know, at some point I, you know, became a single digit handicapped golfer and, you know, was breaking 80 regularly. And then I just, you know, developed a lot of you know, mental game skills and my ability, even though I was only playing once a week, kept coming down and down and down. And so, meaning it kept improving. And so this mental barrier around 70 took me forever to break. To break 70 was entirely mental, not physical. Mm -hmm. I blew up on the 18th hole. I can't tell you how many times Mm -hmm. I shot 70, 71, 72, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Really, most people are struggling with: Do I deserve? Am I good enough? Or you know, uh, you know that that sort of feeling or limiting belief of you know, can I allow myself to be truly successful way beyond things like just success in a sport or money? Really, putting this thing together across the board is very challenging. I've worked with all kinds of like you know, super super talented hedge fund manager, managers and people that are worth. Hundreds of millions. I even worked with a billionaire once and some really tough athletes. And to put it together in their personal life and career, it takes a lot of skill sets, um, some of them a little bit opposite. You know, intimacy takes the allowing and being piece, you know, nowhere to go, nothing to accomplish, nothing to achieve. And that's sort of counterintuitive and opposite of a driven business person or athlete that's always, you know, if you're too oriented towards goal setting, well, that's not going to be great for your personal life, your wife or or husband or whatever. They're going to appreciate the being, right? Nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. So developing both skill sets in this lifetime, you know, can be a beast. Um, So what I'm doing is I'm teaching people how to how to do both ultimately. And at times in their careers, they're going to be You know if they're in their 20s they might be more focused on financial success or drive or the success in the sport and then the intimacy part is important but it might not be primary and so we're always working with that sort of you know balance and you know and finding out you know tweaking it for whoever that individual is because we're all wired a little bit differently as well that makes sense yeah
1: it actually resonates a lot
0: (laughs) (laughs) Really? In which ways? Tell us. Tell us how that resonates. I love it, but tell us. Um,
1: Yeah. So I started my business. um, I don't even know now how many. Five years ago, uh, and but when i started it it was actually my intention was to work with athletes on mental skills training and then that mm. has evolved um so i would really say it started focusing on nutrition in the last 4 years so i mean not a long transition period but um i over the last year have four times my income and a lot of that i attribute to like getting my goals nailed down and like just you know kind of getting my systems in place and just Grinding, basically, yeah, like grinding.
0: <laughs> love, gotta love athletes. We know yeah. Well said.
1: Um, so yeah. that I I have a hard time turning off the business right. mode. Yeah. Um, so are you
0: are you a meditator? Because like you know I I tell people I've done four or five thousand hours of meditation in my lifetime, and I find that the meditative states are super helpful, especially if you're not near an ocean. Here, we're 600 yards from the ocean. So yeah. if I throw myself in the ocean, it's like a meditative exactly. state, right? You yeah. just let go. What um, do you do you know, to like, besides like run or, or lift, or you look like you're in shape. So obviously you're exercising, but what do you do to let go, like in terms of meditation or mindfulness practice?
1: Um, so I do have a morning routine um, that I go through, and there's a short meditation on it. Yeah. But then, you know, that's typically with me, like, listening to podcasts, not the meditation part, I do the meditation, but then I transition into podcast, coffee, you know, just kind of like enjoying my morning, but I don't do anything during the day, and I don't do anything at night. And I think that's where I... I struggle with because I'm like in the morning I'm alone, like my husband is is at work or at the gym or something, so and that's mm-hmm. time for me that I need, you know, right. to like feel good going into my day, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: at night, as far as like turning off and and just connecting again, I struggle.
0: Gotcha. You know, one of the things I often say, Alex, with people, is if you're tired, stressed, or bored, meditate. Yeah, (laughs) sort of my fundamental coaching around meditation you know if you're tired again tired stressed or bored so if you get in that second or third meditation especially for for a real meditator like you are you know you know how to meditate you're probably good at it you probably enjoy it in the morning so why not add a second one or third one in some at some point during the day Mm -hmm. it'll help you by evening and like you know, it doesn't have to be 20 minutes. It can be five or 10 minutes. But that little, like, you know, what I do here because, um, you know, I'm not a structured, I'm, I'm not structured by nature. It's just not how I'm wired. So, you know, people ask me, you know, like, how do I meditate or, or when do I meditate? And I meditate often, you know, sometimes in the middle of the night, sometimes in the morning, sometimes in the afternoon. I just basically, I'm a feel player. I meditate by feel as well. People that are more structured, they feel like they've got to do it a certain way. And then that's when I say, let's just add an extra one, you know, in the afternoon or early evening, if you're tired, stressed, or bored, or just out of habit, because then that's gonna allow more of that being piece to come back when you're in the grind work mode. You know, it sounds like you're very talented that way. You know how to grind, you know how to work hard, but can you let go and be, you know? And that's not the easiest thing. Traditionally, that's more male, right? It's like male energy, right? Mm -hmm. Where they can't, you know, they can't turn off the work and then the woman is just like, you know, after five years of that, what am I doing? Yeah. Right. So Mm -hmm. that ability to sort of switch gears, you know, meditative states I find are immensely helpful in the ability to sort of switch gears. And then the, you know, the mindfulness practice where you're, you know, you're observing and you're breathing. You're bringing yourself back in the moment by either observing what's in front of you, mm-hmm. or picking up your breath, or doing both. When you're doing that, when your husband comes home, he doesn't have to know you're doing it. Like right. if you're playing with your breathing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: he won't necessarily know unless yeah. he's super mm-hmm. tuned in. Right. Unless he's super tuned in. Mm-hmm. And you know, most people aren't that tuned in, so you can actually do whatever you want that way. Mm-hmm and these little things will actually as you start to practice them more that'll help you in those little tran you know big actually big transitions right yeah. from work mode to just being mode mm-hmm.
1: think about the first time that I learned how to do like practice mindfulness was I was training for triathlons and um my coach was also in school for sports psychology and that's how we met and um I was telling her how terrible I was was like these runs they're so long the bike it's so boring like I was a swimmer so I'm used to being in a pool Mm -hmm. and just like you know that I can zone out there but the other two is a struggle and so she was like okay well instead of thinking about how much like other stuff you have to do you know going through that laundry list in your head and um instead start just paying attention to how your body feels or paying attention to like the smells around you or what the leaves look like on the trees and you know start to take in your environment and like really just love absorbing that instead of, you know, being like thinking about how bored you are.
0: (laughs) Totally. And that's what you're doing is you're training your mind to come back into the moment, right. To observe the trees or observe someone's face Mm -hmm. or even if, even as you're paying attention to your thoughts, you're now getting present again. Mm -hmm. Right. In that, because what most people are doing is they're, they're sort of caught up in the same repetitive patterns. You know, you deal with it all the time around food, but you know, athletes, especially long distance athletes, you know, they need to be able to drop in the zone. It sounds like, you know, your ability to sort of do that as a swimmer, is something you like learned or taught yourself or just had it naturally. Now what you're doing is you're playing with it everywhere else in your life. That's what I, you know, that's what I'm living and teaching. You're always playing with mindfulness or meditative states or your breath. It's just a more, creative way to live from my perspective yeah
1: i love that um that actually so one of the things that we teach our clients is um it's part of our teaching to them is to eat slow um and to be more mindful around your food and um yeah so eating when i used to meet with people in person which was like when i first started i was driving all over town to like Get any client that I could, and now Goodbye. everything is online. Everything's virtual. But when I met people in person, I would have them do an exercise with me that I would bring, like candy or something. You know, <laughs> if they had whatever in their house, and then, um, and then I did start doing it with a fruit bowl. I figured that was probably better, but, <laughs> um, but I would have them eat like a strawberry, and not really like just keep talking, but like, hey, eat the strawberry. Da da da. Eat the strawberry and then the next time i said okay now eat this strawberry but this time i don't want you to talk i don't want i'm not going to talk i want you to smell it uh get the textures what it looks like i want you to observe the strawberry then eat it and eat it slow and every time people would be like oh my god that is the best strawberry or that is the best whatever it was Wow, that tasted amazing. Was that like the best piece of pineapple I've ever had? And it's truly because you're paying more attention to the food instead of being mindless about it where that's where a lot of people struggle too is with snacking, Um, especially during quarantine. That has been a very common challenge is that people around food all the time. Um, But you know, when going out to a restaurant or eating those foods that you're telling yourself like, Ooh, I really shouldn't be eating this dessert right now. I'll say, no, eat the dessert, but you're going to eat it slow and enjoy every bite and savor it and love that piece of dessert of whatever Mm -hmm. you chose." like that is something that you don't need to feel bad about it, but you need to love every minute of it because
0: that, yeah. (laughs) I, I, I love it, Alex, because you know, it's something that I, these exercises that you're doing with your um, clients, I do with the athletes I coach, right? So I often say, you know, let's, because I've been eating with chopsticks on and off since my first girlfriend was half Chinese, right? So 30 years ago, whatever. But I, you know, I, so I get these kids to eat with chopsticks, but then I t- say, okay, great. Now, if you're a righty, I want you to eat with your left hand right? Yeah. <laughs> For, you could start with a fork, but yeah. then you're going to build up the chopsticks with the yeah. opposite hand. I actually do this a lot myself because it forces me to do exactly what you just talked about, to actually slow down mm-hmm. and get more present and not, you know, wolf down the food, right? Because right. that's a big part of, you know, when you, as you know, right, when you eat slower, not only do you enjoy it more, but there's also a more decent, you know, the better chance you're not going to eat as much because, mm-hmm right? You're going to slow the whole process down. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so there's so many ways to get clever. And one of them is definitely eat with the opposite hand, do things with the opposite (laughs) hand, take Mm -hmm. a different way to work, you know, let's like make this thing more clever and more creative, but also more mindful, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what you're, you know, it's fascinating the similarities between, you know, just coaching in general, whether it's an athlete or an entrepreneur or nutritional coaching and consulting, we're doing a lot of similar stuff. Pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. You sound like a, an amazing person here. I'm really <laughs> impressed you. To meet you. <laughs> you. Yeah. You're making a difference, you know, which is cool. I'm always like, you know, I always love it when people want to assist other human beings on this planet. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. it's just really cool.
1: Yeah. So one of my goals for the rest of this year is to finish a course. Um, so that way I can reach more people with this mm-hmm. type of approach because right now we're very limited. Uh, so I have two coaches that work for me, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're limited in our capacity. We only take on a certain number of clients per month. And, um, so in order to reach more people, we started doing a group program, but, um, but yeah, I want, I want to do a course I'm talking, you know, it's in the works with my coach right now, like in the planning phases for it, but, um, but it is nice to hear from you too like the the approach that we're taking is um i think tangible and something that applies to a lot of different people and you know no doesn't matter like what field i guess you're in but yeah
0: no i mean you're you know with all these years of experience that you have you're realizing that you're just you know people of different personality styles and approaches right and so as you get more, you know, present and more in tune and more flexible on your end, all you're doing is getting better and better at just tweaking your core program, right, right, to to meet the needs of individuals when you're doing individual coaching. Mm -hmm. But the overall program that you're putting together, I would imagine the patterns are so, you've seen so many of these patterns that you can pretty much help anybody at this stage. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and it's, you know, a lot of I would say I just actually before this was on a call with a, a prospective new client and, um, everyone has their own unique challenges, like their own unique facets to their life, but everyone's oh. also so similar in what so
0: the true. challenges
1: are. Um, and I think that's where those core beliefs that we, you know, that are so ingrained in psychology, that, um, that's where all of this comes back to, like all of that comes back to, am I enough? Am I lovable? And, you know, and, and
0: do I deserve? Yeah, <laughs> yeah 100%. And then the, all the patterns around self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex, absolute pleasure meeting you. Oh, wow. um, welcome again to see it and feel it with Dr. Brett. And do you want to say anything about the fuel method before you, you know, before we go here? What is sure. it you want to add? Uh, yeah.
1: well, if anyone would like to learn more about the fuel method, you can go either to my website, www.thefuelmethod.com, or you can find me on Instagram, which is where I share more like personal behind the scenes type stuff and tons of takeaways and lessons and all that stuff, uh, it's at the fuel method. So
0: that's where you can awesome. find me. Awesome. Absolute pleasure. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you. Bye.
0: All right, cool.